to a new episode of Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Tiamanini. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. In my career, I have been fortunate enough to interview some incredible artists, but when it comes to those that I've had the opportunity to speak with multiple times, few, if any, have been as thoroughly insightful and exciting as Mark Kudish. Having this three-time Tony nominee explain his approach to and his insights into a project is, is part lecture and part sermon and completely gratifying and enriching to the soul. And every time I leave the conversation, I have a new profound appreciation, not only for that specific piece, but also for what artists and theater artists in particular give to the world. My guest today is Mark Kudish, who is currently starring in the Connor McPherson and Bob Dylan play with music, Girl from the North Country, off-Broadway at the Public Theater. As I said on Today on Broadway after I saw the show, I thought it was one of the most interesting and challenging and rewarding pieces that I'd seen in a long time, and my immense affection for it continues to grow, even with a little bit more distance and perspective. In our conversation, Mark talks about the open rehearsal process led by director and writer McPherson, why he is so drawn to this play, and the danger for audiences if they come into this show, or any show really, with too rigid of expectations. Girl from the North Country is currently slated to play the public theater through December 23rd, and when I asked him about a potential future life for the show on Broadway, Mark gave probably one of the best answers to that type of question that I've ever heard before. Also, just a warning, Kudish mentions the name of one of Suzanne Laurie Parks' Red Letter plays that he was in last year at the Signature Theater. The name of the show does have a bit of profanity in it, so be forewarned. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Mark Kudish. I saw the show on Wednesday night, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Uh, it's one of those shows that I think is so... Uh, it just kind of grabs onto you and sticks with your soul for a while. But I went in purposely not really knowing a, a ton about the plot. Obviously, I'd heard about it Good. from everything. But, you know, everything I'd heard was it's this, you know, it's a cold Minnesota winter in the Great Depression. And, and you think that it's this dark and brooding kind of thing. But I left with kind of this odd sense of optimism because every character in the show has this I don't know, this innate hope, as futile as it might be. Um, but that's what stuck with me far more than the sadness or the tragedies in the in the couple days since I saw it. When you come into a show like this that has these characters that are really beating their heads against the wall in a lot of ways, how are you able to kind of balance the light and the darkness between the story and what the characters are ultimately hoping for? Um, okay. That's a really good question, dude. Um, and this is going to be a complex answer because it has more to do, in my opinion, with the approach to the material than the material itself sometimes. Um, and what I mean by that is it's our responsibility to just tell the truth. Um, it's my personal feeling that there's it's more important to engage an audience than it is to entertain them. The engagement is entertaining in itself. And if you're focused on the intent of the engagement, if you're focused on the intent of uh, the author and the intent of the collaborative whole, uh, then not only will an audience be 
entertained, but engaged in a conversation. And I think the more honest you are with human flaw, um, I think the more, I don't know, hopeful it ultimately becomes. I think the reason that you can leave with a sense of, uh, some sense of positivity, even in the darkness, is because you know, A, as a human being, you're not alone. That B, you may yourself personally be dealing with um, things in your own life that you may be embarrassed about or feel alone in. And you come and you see a piece like this and it's sort of, it's very sort of uh, releasing to know that it's a shared emotional experience being a human being. And I think that that's what gives hope and that's what gives inspiration. I think C, uh, music is always, in my opinion, uh, sort of like the joy of the play for me uh, is that the play is tension because life is tension. You know, that doesn't mean that there's not humor in life, but I think that humor is just one of the tools that human beings use as a release mechanism, as a functioning mechanism. But the music is the release, which is why I think we're even more moved by the music. Yeah. You know, and the joy of uh, particularly in this case with Connor's play and Dylan's music is that I think at times you're not even sure why you're feeling what you're feeling <laughs> yeah. because, because it's a shared experience because human emotions are something it's genetic with us. So, you know, there doesn't even necessarily need to be an explanation or a logistical understanding of the emotion because it's just shared, you know, and music is our expression of that emotion. It is the release of the tension of that emotion, you know, and sometimes there aren't words for it and it's just an experience and it's particularly moving when it's shared. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, yeah. that's what I mean. It's, it's hard. It's, so how do you approach it? You approach it honestly, but I think it's the way that you, you should, in my opinion, approach everything without a sense of manipulation or without the goal of a result. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's so interesting the way you describe that from a from an acting standpoint, you know, about looking at life as this shared thing. But that's so true about this show itself. Everybody's going through their own personal life, all the characters in the show. But because of the, the construct of the show, they're all in this boarding house. They are kind of sharing their personal lives yes. with everybody else in that in that story. And so that rings so true, not just from an acting and a, and, a, and a performer standpoint, but specifically about Girl from the North Country as well, because that's what all these people are. They're living their own personal demons in direct relation with everybody else's personal demons. Well, let me put it to you this way. First of all, I don't think of it necessarily even as, as like acting skill. I, it's honestly, it's life skills. Yeah. I think you can apply what we do as actors to anything on the face of the planet. I do. The idea of, of the human, uh, it's, it's, look, man, that's our world, right? That's just the world. The, the, the thing I like about the piece, and this is the easiest way for me, this is the most concise way I can explain our show to people, <laughs> and it gives them enough information to go on to walk in. It is an, it, unstructured emotions in an unstructured time. 
which is not indifferent to where we are right now. Yeah. We don't know who we are. We don't know how we feel. We are in this boarding house, all of us, that is the United States of America. And we are all trundling along, trying to pick up the pieces of who we once thought our identity was. And we're trying to reclaim that sense of self. And along the way, there are challenges, as every character in this play comes up against a challenge. And it is not ideal. The situations are not ideal at all. And so beyond the dreaming and beyond the aspirations, when you're just going day to day on a survival basis, you're just getting to the next minute. You know, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, that's meaningless when you're just thinking about tomorrow. And if you're lucky, and if, if you're able to secure something for the moment, then you've got time to think in terms of a bigger picture. But when things are as unstructured, and that's, I think, a part of the success of the piece itself as well. Yeah. You know, I actually find the piece to be very Brechtian and uh, vile in its nature. It's yeah. very, to me, uh, impressionistic and Dadaistic. It is, I don't, even though it has a very naturalistic sense to it, they are fractured moments. It is not a clean, even though it's in a linear mode, it's, you don't get to see everything. I know people walk out going, oh, I'd really like to know more about that, or I'd really like, well, you don't get to. <laughs> These are the moments. These are the moments you get to see. And yes, it's incredibly unanswered, as is our day-to-day -day experience as human beings. So the question isn't in getting the answers. There are more questions left. It's what do you do with that information, and what do you intend to do tomorrow? And that, to me, is the thing I like about the play. That's why I like doing it. I like the fact that the audience is given information and we're not told how we don't tell you how you're supposed to respond. You know, we don't we don't indicate where we're going. The joy of the play in so many ways as a performer, if I'm speaking in that sort of small, you know, sort of linear point of view, is that. We don't depend on the audience to tell us how we're doing. The audience is given the responsibility of the information and it is their choice to respond however they choose to. You know, one of the biggest problems I find in the theater nowadays is that we don't allow the audience their responsibility. They've paid a lot of money to come and see this show. Let's let them work. That's what they're there to do. Yeah. Let them work. They don't have to know everything, you know, let them be an active part of it. I mean, that's what theater is to me anyway. So like the joy for me, for them is how are you supposed to feel? I don't know. That's up to you. <laughs> don't yeah. ask me. I can't answer those questions for you. You have to answer those questions for you. But I think that that's part of what makes it makes you keep thinking about the piece. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I don't mean to over, no, that's uh, awesome. I love this. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. like, that's why I like it. You know, and it's funny, you know, because when we were working on the play, Connor really just sort of gave us a lot of free reign in terms of choices for character. Like, and if we had character questions, a lot of the times he'd say, I can't help you with that. That's for you. Huh. That's your job. 
and you'd be like, all right. That's so interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, now, because, because he's the playwright as well. Oh, and, and I have to say, I've never seen, it's the rare occasion that I've ever seen a playwright be so um, not precious with his own material. You know, so it was very collaborative and like, what if I said this here? What about, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, um, you know, yeah, go ahead and cut that. You know, like, like he was just, he, his thing was, it's about the moment. It's about the moment to moment. And that was those things he was very specific about. Tone, very specific about that. But in terms of how you chose to be that character, like whatever they did in London, they did in London. And I know little to nothing about that production. And frankly, he wasn't really, I think there were certain staging things that he really liked that obviously came across. But at the same time, I think how each of us has decidedly chosen to play the characters is wildly different. I know in my case, it's wildly different. And I think that that's how we were able to gel together as our community and be able to play the play, you know? That's so fascinating. It's a great company. Yeah, well, the cast is is amazing, and I want to talk about them in a second. But I want to touch on something you mentioned a a minute ago because it really kind of blew my mind a little bit because you talked about it being Brechtian and very presentational. When I when I watched, well, in fact, let let me. I'm sorry. Let me clarify. Okay, Brechtian and court and is isn't isn't necessarily presentational. It's it's not presentational or or the classic Brechtian um, uh, uh, style is not necessarily presentational. There are moments Brecht Brecht was very clear about playing through dramatic moments and the moment that it would become to an emotional apex, he would immediately stop things. And then with vial, he would bring in a song and the song wouldn't necessarily be connected to the action it was his way of saying, stop for a minute. Now we're just going to comment on the emotional tone here. But it would also, like, he wouldn't follow through. I, yeah, at least that was in, in, in my working with Brecht. Yeah. His whole thing was to get you to an emotional apex, to then cut it off hard. And I find that that's very much what uh, uh, Connor has done in a lot of ways. And in some ways... Once that's done, he may never go back to that, those ideas again. Yeah. He just leaves you with that. Um, and I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's perfect because it, it plays so well, which I, I went through most of the, maybe even into the second act, viewing it as very much almost like an O'Neill drama, as you talked about kind right. of that realistic thing. But then when you start to really appreciate and understand how the music is coloring the dialogue in the scenes, you realize it's not the traditional musical. These characters are singing. You could almost do the songs with anybody in the cast singing it. And they often do. You guys kind of change in and out. And it's not a comment directly on the action that has just happened other than in maybe one or two cases. It's more about how those characters are feeling and how the group is feeling. And when I was able to kind of make that switch in my mind, I think it even opened up even more to appreciate what the characters were experiencing in that moment that led up to the song. I agree. Yes. Look, a big challenge, I think, again, I think there are people come in with expectation and the less, you know, the better off you are because then the less you've already 
decided certain things will or will not happen or decided on a particular structure. Um, you know, my favorite is when people talk about, well, you know, in a musical, I just roll my <laughs> eyes because I've been doing this crap for 30 years. Don't talk to me about what it is to structure a musical. I know what it is to structure a musical. <laughs> I've been a part of what it is to structure a musical. <laughs> but I, I always have issues when people put linear rules on things. It's theater. The rules are whatever we decide they are in this particular moment. And when people come in with that, they'll fight themselves. I mean, I've had friends that say, I just don't understand. Why did that happen there? Why did that happen there? I had a playwright friend come. And I just said to him at the, you know, I was like, playwright, did you come in expecting the play you wanted? Or were you just present to the play? You know, everybody comes in and you're going to come in with your own book of rules. And hopefully as the play continues on, you sort of let that go and you allow yourself to be present as you were saying, you know, I think to a certain degree, you're like going, why is she singing that? Or why is she doing this? Or that just yeah. happened. So why doesn't that happen next? Because that's what we're used to or we're programmed to. And again, I say it's unstructured. It's unstructured. It's unstructured emotions and an unstructured time. Nothing made sense. Nothing makes sense today. We could ask, how will we have the president we have? Why are the things happening that are happening? You know, how is there a devastating earthquake or, or a devastating hurricane that happened? And Kanye West is in the White House. What's going on? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't well, write that shit. But that's where we are, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting because I there's the, the, the disparate settings of the show, the show's in, you know, 1934 Minnesota, yet it's using Bob Dylan music that was written over the past 50 years. But there are some parts of that show and some parts of the songs that are so prescient to today that it, it, it almost feels like the perfect confluence of the most disparate and unrelated ingredients that you could possibly have in a piece to make it perfect for this very moment. But again... Again, the human condition is not, music is a timeless thing. Listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. People talk about, you know, how to travel through time. How do we travel through time? And we can get into the science of it. But when you consider it, music, that's how you travel through time. Music is a timeless thing. You play Beethoven now and it's alive right now. People are playing it right now. So it's alive. And that's what I mean. And so it doesn't matter the time period that Dylan wrote anything that he wrote, because when he was writing, he was writing about the human condition and he was writing about the human condition in unstructured time, which is something that any of us can relate to now, 30 years from now, a hundred years from now, I'm watching Dr. Strangelove on television right now. Hmm. Have you ever seen the film? Oh yeah, very much. I've got the DVD on my shelf. Okay. Exactly. It's on right now and I'm watching it going, oh God, Jesus, God, we're living it right now. The human condition is the human condition. You know, satire is just, you know, like it, it, it's just a comedic way to talk about the truth of, of, of our fallibility. I, I'm just saying that like, that's the thing about music to me, that it doesn't matter when it was written. It really doesn't. If it's good, it's timeless. So, of course, it functions and it works really well. And, of course, it's connected to Duluth, Minnesota. Lord knows that's where the man was from. But yeah. 
you know, it's just interesting to me because like, and, and as you said, like a lot of these characters, you know, I think in many ways they are archetype, but archetype is actually, you know, I mean, there's nothing more truthful than archetype. I mean, that's where it comes from. So it's very O'Neill. It's very Arthur Miller. Um, you know, um, in my opinion, the play is very Saroyan, if you will. I mean, we can sort of look at a lot of examples from our own American literature uh, that um, connect to these characters. And I, and I think in certain ways, I believe that that was um, Connor's intent. It's also very biblical. A lot of the uh, characters' situations, I mean, you look at, you know, Marianne and the child um, and the father of the child, who that may be. And that is very biblical in its nature. Um, my storyline is very Arthur Miller. And at the same time, it's very much Abraham, you know, uh, yeah. from Genesis. Um, uh, I, I mean, you can sort of go through that list. And it's interesting because, again, he's painting these, these moments, these images, these vignettes. Um, and you get pieces and slivers of these people's lives. And then, you know, at the end, of course, and then, you know, you have Doc and then you get our town, right, with Doc and you get the sense of, you know, what happened to some of these people and other people. You don't know necessarily what happened with them, but I don't know. I just like that it's 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 just like flowing water. You know, <laughs> you come in at a certain point in the stream and you spend a little time in it and then you get out. And, you know, if you choose to dip your foot in the water again, you can. You know where the river is. You know, you can always come back. But it's always flowing, which means it's never going to be the same twice. Oh, I love that. Um, you mentioned uh, earlier this this cast, and it really is an embarrassment of riches. Some people that I was very familiar with, some people that I, that I wasn't. And but what's so interesting about this, it really is an ensemble piece and to, I think probably to make it work, you have to have a group this strong and this compelling and this interesting. You, you said that Connor wasn't precious about things in the room. What was it like working with all of those, uh, those artists in such a collaborative way? Well, I mean, it's the way I like to work. Who doesn't? I, I, I like ensemble. I really do. I like ensemble. I don't like the idea of someone being a lead or this or that. I just think you, the, the minute you put labels on things, that's when you get yourself into trouble because then you're putting a value on something that may or may not have any worth. Um, that's why I like ensemble. Ensemble's great, you know, and this is a piece where everybody's just ebbing and flowing together and it's a great group. You know, I've always loved Robert Joy and I've always loved his work. So this is my first time working with Bob and he's just such a nice guy. Um, and Canadian to boot, which is super for me because my <laughs> wife's Canadian, you know, half of my family's Canadian. So that's a good thing. Um, Bogartis and I have known each other forever. We've worked together uh, for years. So, you know, working with Bogey is old, you know, happy news for me. Yeah. Um, Sydney and I have worked together. I think I worked with him on his first Broadway show. So we've known each other a long time and, you know, love him. And, you know, we've been friends for a long time, so that's awesome. And then there's a lot of people, and, and, and Luba I've known for a long time. And Todd and I uh, worked last year together on fucking A when he was a music director. Yeah, so he's great, yeah. Like that, yeah, and he's wonderful. So I've never worked with Todd as an actor. 
but I've known Todd. So that's really fun. Um, and you know, the, the youth of the group, dare I say, um, they're wonderful and I really love them all. You know, um, I love Kimber. I love Colton. Um, and I love, uh, Jeanette. She's wonderful. We've, we've, we, we have mutual friends for years, but it's the first time that we're together in a piece. And I mean, and, and Tom is fantastic. I mean, I'm going through the list of people in my head and obviously mayor and mayor is wonderful, you know, and she's a joy and, um, and amazing. I mean, you know, but like, what are we, and, and, but that's what I mean. The characters are so wonderful and interesting and rich. And, um, and I think that that's a part of it for me that I find, and, and, you know, and Connor, he is a cast member, by the way, you know, I mean, he really is in so many ways. He's a cast member. Um, and Simon, uh, and I, I have to say everybody like, you know, who, did the orchestrations with Connor because I don't think that Dylan's music would live as beautifully as it does in the piece and hit people's ear in this fresh way. If it wasn't for how they arranged that music, yeah, you know, so interesting. you're hearing yeah. everything going, Holy shit. And then of course uh, there's Lucy who did all the musical staging and movement. And, you know, again, she's just a part of the group as well. So like it was, it's a real collaborative effort and everyone is on page together and when you have that and i find it to be rare but i'm very grateful that i've i've had that happen to me a number of times it's the best way to work you know especially when you're dealing with you know material and emotions as we are in this piece because this gets into the shit you know (laughs) Yeah, there, there's nothing that's uh, skirted around here. You guys definitely approach things as uh, honestly and in some cases painfully as you can imagine. There's there's no working around things or being subtle about it. No, but that's what I mean. Like, yeah. that's why I say, you know, I don't like to categorize. I hate that. You know, like I, I, I do not think of this as a musical. Um, I do think of this as a play with music. But then I actually think of any piece that has music in it as a play with music. I think of opera as a play with music, you know, uh, but if it were, uh, that's why I say to people like, you know, if it were a musical, then like, you know, my second act aria would not be in spoken word. It would be in another form, but it's not, and it's not meant to be, you know? And anyway, Blah blah blah. No, <laughs> no, I love that, and and I could, I would love to pick your brain more about it. But I have a couple other things I want to ask about. How long have you played the drums? For this, just for this, <laughs> for this, learned it for this. But look, man, I mean, I learned when I did fucking a last year. I learned bass for it. Um, I like it. Like I, I enjoy it, and I'm enjoying the drums. I like the drums. Like you know, I'm going to stick with the drums. I think I'm going to continue to learn about them. I play guitar already. So when I, when I was playing the bass, I was enjoying playing the bass. I liked the bass very much, but because it, in some ways, and, and this is a very limited, you know, beginner's point of view, because in, it's related to the guitar in, in, in clearly, you know, the drums is clearly its own thing. I'm more fascinated with the drums. I just kind of really like the percussion of it. But yeah, I just did both Luba, both Luba and I just, you know, we learned it for this. Well, and that's what I thought was so interesting that the, the only two cast members that pick up the drums are you and Luba. And I don't know that I 
know why, but I thought that was interesting as the show went on that she started on him and I think the opening number, and then you pick it up later. So I, I don't know the reason for that or if there is a reason for that, but I found that very interesting to kind of notice throughout the show as well. Well, and don't forget that our son plays harmonica. Yeah. For whatever the reason, we're the musical family. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I would be remiss to ask, if I didn't ask this question, and I know you probably can't answer it, So, uh, but I'm going to ask it for journalistic purposes anyway. But yeah. a, a lot of people would love to see this show have uh, a different life after it closes at the public in December. Do you know of anything that might be happening with a transfer or anything like that? Is that something you have any insight into that you're able to share? I can tell you this. Right now, we're at the public. We're doing our play. And it's just like the play. There are questions people have about this play, and those are not for us to answer. It's for you to answer for yourselves. I am glad that people are experiencing the piece the way that they are. I'm glad that the experience leads them to ask those questions. You know, um, and it's not as, as in the play. It's not for me to answer those questions. That's the best answer I've ever had to a question that uh, like that. That's the that's that's the my favorite answer to one of those. Uh, is it going to transfer or not? Question. So I appreciate that very much. No, really. I mean, you know. Oh, I'm just thinking about tomorrow, dude. I'm just doing the gig right now. Yeah, I love it. Everything that's else, great. all of that shit, that's tomorrow. Oh, I love it. Well, I hope that uh, whether it's at the public or somewhere else down the road, or even to be honest with you, because I think that this is a show that whenever it's life in New York is done, um, eventually will be done across the country in a lot of different regional theaters as well. So I'm, I'm excited for more people to get to see I it. Think because... so. Me too, though. But like, really, I, I got to tell you, like, as as a cre- as as a person in this industry, like the greatest gift I think that we have to give is that. Right? It's like. You know, when, when we were doing Hand of God, one of the things that I loved about Hand of God was, is that it, 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 I, in its crazy satire, it was really honest and truthful. And I also knew when we were doing the play, you know, because again, it's one of those plays that, you know, the audience never responded the same way twice. And we gave room for the audience to feel whatever the hell they wanted to feel. And I knew this is going to get done everywhere, which... I really, because, and not just because it's a, like a small play, but because it's just, it's sort of a, it, it raises a lot of sensitive questions and issues and people want to get into that crap everywhere they want to get. And, you know, and, and so now Hand of God is done everywhere. And I love mm-hmm. that people are experiencing it for themselves where they live, right? I, I just think that's the whole point of theater is that it, we are the last bastion of politically incorrect conversation Hmm. in a politically acceptable place to have it where there is a mutual respect for whatever the hell's going on because you can agree with it or you can disagree with it but we all know it's okay to feel what you want to feel in that space right and i think that in a lot of ways that's the same with this piece I look forward to other people wanting to interpret this. I would, you know, um, to see what their point of view of it is or what their experience with it is along the way, you know, and because if for no other reason than just to continue to have that sort of, as we were talking about at the beginning, the human conversation about the flaws in who and what we are. 
you know, because more and more as we are seeing, and it's not just with our country, but it's sort of everywhere, you know, there's this really hard edge between actuality and virtuality. And we're becoming so partisan, we're forgetting that we're all just really human beings, regardless of our ideology. And we're losing that shared experience more and more and more. And one of the few places to have that is in the theater. So I do, I want this play to have a life like that. I want people in Texas, people in West Virginia, people in Los Angeles, people in Chicago, people in Iowa to do this play. Because it's one of the few ways that remain where we can share the mutual experience of human flaw and human hope. And I, I, that's, that, that's the best statement I think I can make. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. My name is Matt Tamanini. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And you can reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. We will have information for the Public Theater's production of Girl from the North Country in the show notes and on BroadwayRadio.com. You can also find social media information from Mark Kudish there as well. Tell Me More is produced and edited by me. Special thanks to Laura Rigby, Candy Adams, and the man without whom none of Broadway Radio is possible, James Marino. Thanks again for listening, and remember, may God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true. May you always do for others, and let others do for you. Also, always get a second scoop, and when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more.